close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off this week, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder as always to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. On this week's podcast, we'll be joined by Kevin O'Donovan, CEO of Cork GAA. Kevin, who hails from the Kilmeen Kilbree Club, spoke to us about the One Cork Initiative, the new Rebels Bounty Draw and the kickback. It's received in some quarters. Parky Cueve, naming rights, Ronan McCarthy and much more. We're also chatting to Paddy O'Shea, coach of the Cork Ladies Senior Footballers ahead of their All-Ireland semi-final meeting with Galway at Parnell Park on Sunday. Well, Kieran, first, it's December, the shops are open, we're exiting level five, and there are Christmas songs on the radio. Are you excited for Christmas? Do we have the decorations up in the house yet? It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas, Jack, isn't it? Once we get the Christmas haircut now this Thursday, it's um, it's everything geared towards the 25th. Yeah, decorations are up. The Thai show was watched. It was brilliant Thai show. Best in years, I thought. Absolutely brilliant. So, um no, I'm started to open up the tins of roses too, and that's starting to have an effect already. So yeah, kind of full steam ahead for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, the chocolate has been opened here too. I opened my first advent calendar door this morning. Yes, I may be 29, but I still have an advent calendar. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either, Kieran, because yeah, I'm very much getting into the Christmas spirit myself. I'm taking a trip to a shopping centre of all places this evening because they're open and it feels like a novelty and even though I hate going to shopping centres I'm going to I'm gonna head up just walk around listen to the music look at a few lights and uh, sure why not You are living the high life check aren't you with all these these trills in your life at the moment <laughs> Well when the most exciting thing I can come up with to do with my time is to go to a shopping centre just for the sake of it you know my life isn't all that exciting but Kieran let's get on to the more serious business now and the conversation you had with Cork CEO Kevin O'Donovan and I mentioned some of the topics that came up the the Rebels Bounty Draw the One Cork Initiative the potential that they're going to rename Porky Cueve Cork's current manager Ronan McCarthy and there's more but maybe kind of just give us a flavour to some of the listeners who might not actually be familiar with what the One Cork Initiative is as well as the Rebels bounty draw and why there's been some protestations against that. So I kick off first with the Rebels bounty draw because that was the, the lead story on the sports section of the Southern Star last week. And like you mentioned earlier, Jack, there was a bit of kickback. Um, the Carberry AGM is on Tuesday night this week and Tom Lyons, the chairman, and the secretary, Donald McCarthy, had urged the the county board to kind of postpone rolling out this new this new um, Rebels Bounty draw, which is, in effect, it's replacing the old Cork GA Club's draw. But the, the news is that the Rebels Bounty is proceeding and the tickets are actually going on sale this Friday. So it's it's full steam ahead. And there's a there's a selling period of December 
and January and February. So that's three months for clubs to sell tickets. And then the draw kicks off with a double draw at the end of February. So um, I suppose some clubs have voiced their concerns about this, Jack, because the way this new scheme works is that depending on the grade that the club is, that they're given a set amount of tickets to sell. If you sell, um, let's say a, ju- a junior club must sell 55 tickets at €100 Euro pop. Um, if they sell 55 tickets, that money goes towards the county board and it's invested back into Cork G8 in, in the infrastructure coaching and so on. Any ticket they sell over the 55, the club gets to keep all that money. So if a junior club sells 100 tickets, that means they've sold 45 tickets over their quota. That's 4,500. That money stays in the parish, as Kevin O'Donovan will explain. But, and this is the concern for clubs, if they fail to hit their target, then the club may, must make up the shortfall. And given the year that it's been, and I suppose the pandemic and so on, and some clubs have found it kind of with their annual fundraisers have been postponed and knocked back and so on, that some clubs might feel that they're struggling to get funds in. So there has been 20% of clubs who've got back to the county board have voiced their concerns about this. So um, Kevin Donovan talks about this in great detail in, in the chat coming up. So the news to take away really Jack is that Rebels Bounty is going ahead and tickets are on sale from this Friday and what about the One Cork initiative then yeah the the One Cork um, that was launched last week so that's an amalgamation of a couple of different um, kind of bodies in Cork GA so it's the County Board the Parky Cueve Board Carla Corky which is the fundraising arm it's the supporters and and, uh, and the Cork GA club so the the big aim of one Cork is to try and raise kind of true commercial um, sponsorship investment, 20 million over the next five years. And I put it to Kevin as well. That seems a huge target to try and hit. And I, I asked him, is it realistic? Is it too ambitious to kind of, to set your sights on, on, um, on raising 20 million over five years, but he's quite confident that the Cork, that one Cork can achieve that goal and again, that money will be pushed back into Cork GA, as well as helping to serve the debt repayment on Parky Cueve. Um, that money will also be helped, will help for the infrastructure of, of Cork GA. It'll help fund the county teams. It'll come back to the clubs as well. So it's a very ambitious plan. But um, I suppose, considering how big a county Cork is, and they've, they've identified, Jack, 50 potential um, revenue streams that they're, they're going to tackle and they are tackling right now. So I, I think it's a, like I said, it's an ambitious plan for Cork GA, but they're, they put a very good team together there and it's headed up by, by, by Kevin O'Donovan. So as you'll hear from the chat now, um, it's an exciting time for Cork GA. Delighted to be joined on the podcast this week by Cork CEO, Kevin O'Donovan. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Kieran, how are you keeping? Thank all, you. All good, all good. We're going to start off um I suppose a couple of words about Paul Paul Kerrigan. He announced his retirement from the intercounty scene last Friday. Thirteen years of top class service. Obviously, an All Ireland winner, kind of a one of Cork's go to men over the years. It's the end of an era in many ways, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And like you look at his legacy over that period, he was having very long seasons with Nemo Rangers as well. You know, and you know went through a tough period, I suppose, with Cork for the latter half of his career. It was more success in the initial part of it. So it just showed what commitment he gave. And, you know, the, you know, he had injuries along the way and so on too, but always was there for a championship, always delivering. And then even in the last year or two, when he wasn't maybe starting on the team, every time he came onto that team, he refreshed it. He brought His attitude was good around the camp. So I think he'll be well remembered. 
And of course, if you look at what he won, you know, as a Cork footballer, success doesn't always come their way. We've seen some great Cork football players that don't have a medal in their pocket after all their service. You know, if you look at what he won at club level, at county level and so on, he leaves a rich legacy behind. And I'd say we'll be around for a while yet with Nemo Rangers, given his commitment to them. You're 100% right, Kevin. Like He leaves some legacy and it's up to, suppose, to the... To the, to the new generation to follow on and what, what Paul started all those years ago. But um, we want to chat too about this new, this new initiative that Cork GA launched um, recently, One Cork. It's, um, it's the new brand that you hope will drive future success for Cork GA. And I suppose it's an amalgamation of the County Board, the Parky Cueve Board and Carter Corky. Can you just t- t- talk me through how this came about, Kevin, and what's the ultimate goal for, for One Cork? I suppose in a very broad sense, it's no secret that we face a lot of challenges at the moment, you know, financial challenges off the field and obviously on the field. I don't think any Cork supporter is happy with the level we're at at the moment in either court. So then you've a board, a county board facing a lot of issues. Then we have stadium, stadium debt, as well as our own losses incurred last year. And yet we have this massive support base, everybody willing to help. So we said, we need to put a structure on this, whereby you don't have to become a county board officer or the Cork, or a Cork trainer or a manager in order to contribute. So then parallel to that, you had Cork Corky becoming very successful over the last couple of years. Parallel to that, you have a stadium board and you Cork taking this over the day-to-day management of the stadium. Um, so you, you bring all that together then, and then you, you need to take account of governance. So it must be a subcommittee, a Cork County Board, which one Cork is. So over the course of probably, like it really has taken 12 months, it came very much from, I suppose, a fear that we would be chasing the same targets in terms of fundraising, and then it grew into something much broader. So you've got this movement now. It's a movement. Okay, in the rule book, it'll be a subcommittee, but in real life, it'll be a movement whereby the county board, the stadium board, ex-Cardic or because they're now dissolved, they'll now be part of, of one Cork, forms a movement to organise our business plan, which is up and running, to look at commercial revenue, to look at members' clubs, to see where we should invest the money, to help with debt repayment plans, but more importantly, to fund coaching facilities and county teams. So it's, it's basically... I'd say if you met anyone on the street, they'd know the difficulties Cork GA faces, but they'd also understand the opportunities Cork GA has, unlike most other counties. One Cork is trying to encapsulate that into a package. One of the headline lines from the press release, Kevin, was the the programme has the ambition to realise um, 20 million plus in revenue over the next five years. Kind of, if that comes to pass, that's absolutely fantastic. Kind of, how realistic is that figure of 20 million over the next five years and what has to be done to achieve that figure? Yeah, it, it, it's realistic if you consider the, the broad aspect which it incorporates. So it, that's across the stadium and the county board. And our business plan has four pillars in it. Corporate revenue, supporters, uh, campus, which is our two stadia, and then community initiatives. And community initiatives are non-profitable, really. They're things like the Go Red campaign or maybe the Lee Miller one, where you don't make a profit really out of it, but you're contributing maybe to somebody else making a profit in commun- some association or charity of some kind. So we'll park that for the moment. Across the campus, it's looking at concerts, it's looking at stadium rental, it's looking at minor events, it's looking at conferencing, it's looking at meetings and events, it's looking at 4G rental. 
in the county board side looking at Parky Ring to see can Parky Ring break even? Parky Ring costs money at the moment. Can we get it to break even? Then you come to the corporate side. You've our sponsorship deals with the Examiner, with Bon Secures, with Dairy Gold. You've your Jersey sponsor. You've your naming rights sponsor. You've all the advertising hoarding in Parky Keefe. And then you come to the supporters and you have premium seats. You have season tickets. You have members clubs. You have patronage schemes. So across all those areas, we saw about 50 possible revenue streams um, across the stadia, across the county board, across the members clubs. And from that, then 20 million over five years becomes realistic because it means bringing in 4 million from commercial revenue annually. But we have a 100 million euro asset. So while it's ambitious, we would, ex- we would want to be bringing in that type of commercial revenue from the stadium. And as you know, concerts and so on, now that the pitch is sorted, now that we can take more games, it starts becoming a realisable dream then. Uh, while I do accept a €20 million euro figure looks daunting to start with, but we intend to break it up into chunks. And then the one Cork members, there's 12 of those. Each of those has a work group at the moment. So you might be on ticketing, you might be on members clubs, loads of great people on them. So if everybody does their bit, yeah, we think it could amount to something substantial in the end. A big part of this, so Kevin, is maximising the potential of Parque Cueve. Like you said there, it's a magnificent stadium, a magnificent pitch. You know, the facilities are, are the best in the business. So trying to get as much, Cork J wants to get as much as it can back out of Parque Cueve. So. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, I suppose it's strange in a way that Parque Cueve has, has been seen in a negative way in terms of the debt, in terms of the spend on the project and so on. And day one, Parque Cueve was supposed to generate money for clubs and players in County Cork. And we haven't given up on that dream yet. So there's a little bit more, you know, a few more stormy water to go through in the short term just to get to that point. But that is the goal of Parky Keefe. And we really think the pitch is the game changer there because the fact that the pitch is now robust means it can take the traffic. It could take Camogie double headers. It could take inter-county games over the last period. It, it can take concerts. It means the new stitched pitch means we, we don't plan on taking up the pitch to put down a stage for a concert and so on, because actually the pitch can take the pressure from it. So, so we really think there's opportunities now um, in terms of generating income from the stadium, which was always the plan, but maybe we lost our way a little bit for the last couple of years. Does it open up the possibility too, Kevin, of maybe Parky Cueve hosting a soccer game or a Munster rugby game in the future, kind of just to make the most of, like we said, it's a magnificent stadium, just to open, the, open up the, 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 this ground to, to other sports? Yeah, well, we're very much bound by general rule in that aspect. And there are certain conditions in which, you know, if it's in the national interest, if the request comes through a governing body and so on, there's a few hurdles like that it has to jump. But, but for the good of our grassroots game in Cork, we are at the moment wouldn't rule out any aspect of generating revenue in that stadium. So that, that's my view. If this revenue goes back to the clubs and goes back to our games, it's not my business to be ruling anything out. Notwithstanding the fact that for other sports to take place in GA grounds, there's a set number of criteria that it has to reach and it has to get clearance from your governing body. So I don't want to speak out of two sides of my mouth. If I'm looking at the commercial side, I'd rule, not, rule nothing out and still be respectful to the rules of the association. And obviously said in the, kind of the name rights of Parky Cueve is also, is also on the table. Is there any update on that? Any prospective companies or clients who are, who are, who are having yeah, there would, there, there would be con- There would be conversations and the, one of the work groups is specifically dedicated to that. And I suppose 
Another aspect of One Cork maybe that we haven't highlighted is, is there is a commercial manager in place. There is a commercial engine on the building. So those conversations are actually daily conversations, but that conversation could switch, excuse me, from naming rights in the stadium to being a competition sponsor the next minute to being a jersey sponsor the next minute. So we have this combined brand now where our commercial people will meet you, a prospective customer, and they'll be talking about different aspects. You might like to sponsor Rebel Oak, you might sponsor the leagues, you might sponsor the championships, you might want naming rights, you might want jersey sponsorship. So it'll be a range of packages. So on that basis then, those conversations happen every day. And some get warm and some get cold and so on. But, but naming rights is a fundamental, naming rights in the sale of premium seats and the failure of the pitch. Those three issues have really derailed the stadium over the initial three years because they would have been in the projections first day. So when people talk about losses and death, those are missing figures that were always intended to be filled. We always intended having a pitch that was first class. We didn't have that. We always intended selling premium seats, so less than half. We always intended naming rights, haven't got them yet. So you'll never have that stadium really sold until you have your naming rights nailed and your premium seats sold. And the okay. business plan groups are targeting them specifically. How can you sell those premium seats, Kevin? I suppose, did they really tie in with the success of the Cork teams? If the hurlers and the footballers are going well, fans are more likely to kind of part with their money, you know, kind of this season was successful to a point where the Cork footballers went in Division 3, back up to Division 2, beaten Kerry and so on, Cork hurlers bowing out of the championship. Would you need the Cork teams to achieve a little bit more, do you think, to get the fans inside or... Totally, totally, totally. That's the, and and like that has really hurt us the last couple of years as well. You can imagine Division Three football league games. With all due respect to everybody involved, there were games that would test us to win. We had our work it out to get out of that division. We did so, but don't tell me who was going to motivate people to f- go passing through the turnstiles. Given our historically poor following anyway, for for national football league games, we had poor followings when we were in Division One. So imagine what it was like in Division Three. So, yes, totally. And then that's why one Cork has to look at seeing how can we support our county teams then and increase standards everywhere because it's a virtuous circle. If you're successful club teams, you'll have a successful county team. If you have a successful county team, you'll have a successful stadium. And then the flip side is the case in all of those if you're not investing. So, yeah, I would say so. The concert offering is also vital. We would find in dealing with those premium seat holders, you know, they might be businesses with clients and so on. If you can deliver concerts and big ticket events, then that really stimulates the sales as well. And the concerts, you know, haven't really got going yet. Ed Sheeran was a massive success. Rod Stewart was a relative success. We have plans for much more concerts, particularly in 2022 would look like a really positive concert year now that we're putting in place. And then you, if you're selling premium seats in advance of that, I think that'll give it a kick too. Like you mentioned earlier, Kevin, people probably haven't seen Parky Creed for the asset that it is just yet, because obviously there is that date. And what is the update with the date? I think it was, it is a 2026 20, million. Is there a timeline to kind of clear off that date or, or what's the hope? So, 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 so current date on the book is 30, on the books is 33 million. Now, that 33 million euro figure is not an end figure. So there are a number of issues. They're commercially sensitive. They're contractors. There's one with revenue. There's one or two more than so. And they're very, they're very commercially sensitive. So I suppose it's difficult for people when they almost feel like we're hiding something and we won't give the breakdown of those figures. But you, you saw we're in the courts at the moment. You can see that from the front page of the newspapers a few weeks ago. Believe me, that's commercially sensitive when you find yourself in the high court um, on a payment claim. Um, so it's no secret that we're there 
and we're we're fighting that case honorably so your 33 million euro that's that's what's on the books at the moment you'll see that in our annual accounts and we're presenting joint accounts for the stadium and the county board in the next couple of weeks our our end figure is in the region of 20 because after those issues are resolved we plan the debt will certainly come down we want it to come as close to 20 as possible then at that point or you know early next year based on those predicted figures we will have a new debt repayment plan and that will plug into our business plan and plugged in at the other side of our business plan is the commercial strategy so then you've got your in and you're out and we need to we need to balance up. So the stadium board and the One Cork Group are both looking at that stadium debt then. Some of it is to Crow Park, some of it is to Bank of Ireland and seeing what is the best way long-term of paying it back. The same as your own mortgage, Kieran. What's the best way of paying this mortgage and still having enough to eat and rear a family? We're in exactly that space now. We have a little bit to do to get to that 20 million euro region. And that's a region. Tom Gray said the 20 million euro figure at Congress last last March. So again, no secret there. But the book the book value at the moment is thirty million thirty three million between Crow Park and Bank of Ireland. Put myself into the shoes of a Cork GFN at the moment. When you think about that the, the kind of debt on, on Parky Queeve, what is there? And now with the, the new Rebels bounty draw that that's going to be rolled out over the next couple of weeks and months. And there has been a bit of kickback against that, Kevin, I suppose some clubs are apprehensive about about the, that's how this new Rebels Bounty draw is going to be structured. Can you appreciate why some clubs are, are, are quite worried about having to raise or sell a certain amount of tickets before they get to keep the money? Kind of like you know as well here in Carberry, the St James's GA Club at the launch of GoFundMe account during the summer just to keep themselves afloat. They said, I think at the time, they did one month's funds left in their account. So clubs might be a bit wary of this new draw. Yeah, so so I'll, I'll deal with that in, in in two different parts if you don't mind, Karen, because you 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 we we came there from the Parky Keith conversation now, and that's an equivalence that is being drawn in the you know out there in in communities and in the public, and I I just have to refute that because I, the county board ran losses of of over half a million last year, and that was due to diff- for different reasons. Number one, yes, there was a court case, but that was the minor part of it. Our gates were down. Our um, county board clubs draw income was down. We were losing money in different areas. Um, and Rebels Bounty, we decided then the county executive would take over the club's draw, run it ourselves, cut the costs, increase the prizes, increase the sales, and get it back up to levels where it was previously. So the club's draw was selling around 15,000, 16,000 tickets in the last few years. That was way over 20,000 tickets 10 years ago. And it was actually those reserves that built up over time and allowed Parky Keith to be built because the Parky Keith started with the county board putting 10 million into it. That really, that 10 million came out of the club's draw. So this money has always come in from the club's draw. It has always come in centrally and it has been used for that purpose and for coaching and for games and so on. So, so the, the equivalent, if Parky Keith never existed, we would be doing exactly the same things with Rebels Bounty. I do accept, though, when people hear debt and the next minute hear fundraising, it's, it's, it's hardly a crime to link them. But, but I can assure you, Parky Keith has its own problems and we'll have to generate revenue from the stadium to pay back that debt. So that's number one. Number two, of course, we hear the concerns of clubs. There's 20% of clubs would not vote for Rebels Bounty in the morning. We've got the feedback, we've tabulated, we've discussed it. And, Kieran, I'll be honest, half of that objection is coming from one division 
and that's the Carberry division. So part of that is real genuine concerns. Another part of it is probably a degree of canvassing and an organised campaign against it. So, but again, I won't doubt the bona fides of people who have raised concerns, but I have to put that in context. 50% of the opposition is coming from one of our eight divisions. And I will be really honest in saying 20% of clubs in Cork are not in favour and would not vote for it tomorrow. And that's, but on that basis, we are proceeding. Okay. In mitigation, though, there is a support committee being set up. It is set up. A, a number of four or five from the executive clubs, Connor Conan, who is project manager in football, is coming across to support this project. And they will deal with that 20% of clubs and see what can be done to support their genuine concerns and challenges in the selling of tickets and the setting of targets. Okay. In relation to the GoFundMe, I have to say that I, I would not be in favour of GoFundMe's for GA clubs. For me, they're for the local child whose ailer needs to go overseas for treatment. I, we are not a charity organisation. Um, we may have charitable status at times. We cannot get into that space. All clubs in Carberry did incredible work during COVID-19 raising funds for charity. And a bit like our one Cork community initiatives, I want that to sit over there as our good deed in return for what communities give us. And I would say is that instead of a GoFundMe, this is the perfect opportunity for clubs with no risk, with no prize fund, to engage with this process. We know it's daunting, given the targets at the start, if they're a club that didn't engage with the club's draw previously. If they are a club that engaged with the club's draw previously, they'll make more money out of the new model. So it's very much incentive. It's very much trying to motivate clubs. We know there's a communication part is difficult because we'd love to be having open meetings, physical meetings on this, and we would have had a vote and we'd have had a good row on the county board and we'd have had solidarity and unity afterwards. Really hard to do that in COVID when you're communicating by emails and Zoom calls. So on all those concerns, we hear the concerns. We feel it's the best model to go forward. We looked at other ways of setting quotas, like affiliation, like population, like urbanisation, and so on. The most simple, transparent way we could find was to come back to say that the fundraising capacity of a club is related very much to the level at which they play. That is not foolproof, but it's a general way of picking up big clubs from small clubs, for the want of a better term. So, Karen, I, I wouldn't doubt the bona fides of people objecting and speaking against it, and that's all fine. But it's our job to give leadership, and we, we've taken the feedback. And the executive, which is made up of 14 people from 14 different clubs across the county, feel, no, this is still the best way forward. What is the big positive so, Kevin, with Rebels Bounty? What's the big selling point? If, if there's clubs out there now listening to this podcast and, and maybe their club is one of those who have kind of they've kicked back against this, why should they engage in this and why should they embrace Rebels Bounty? You see, it, it's, it's, it's risk-free, but, but the clubs are always was risk-free. The difference with this, Kieran, is before if you sold a ticket, 50% of every ticket came back to central funds. Now, we argue that those funds go out back to clubs through coaching and so on, but okay, maybe that message isn't always heard at the time. But, so if, if you sold a ticket in your local club before 50% came back, we found then that a small number of clubs were doing fierce heavy lifting in the draw. Clubs like Ahabolics, clubs like Bantry selling hundreds and hundreds of tickets. And here we were taxing every single one of those tickets. And other clubs might be selling zero tickets. Still got our coaches, still played in Parky, Keefe and County Final Day. And we said, look, we need a way to spread that load across. So the incentive program for 20% of our clubs, they'll make more money next year without selling an extra ticket. Because 
the, the, the tax, if you like, is on early sales with full commission in the later sales. So if a club embraced this, and like that's another part where I'm hearing from clubs is they might have other club fundraisers. They might have their 100 club or whatever, and it may take a year to migrate to this. But you've got your prizes set up. You're not worrying on a Monday morning is the club lot are going to be won. You can set up your direct debits online. All the promotion material is there and so on. In COVID, you don't even have to go to the door. A phone call and a direct debit will solve it. There will be no Strictly Come Dancing for a while. There will be no Lip Sync for a while. And if there is, you could be calling it off the week after. So we felt this is a really quick way of our members in, engaging with their club. It's really clean. It's really simple. It's really transparent. And once you sell that minimum number of tickets, and I'll be honest with the quotas, 55 for a junior club, 35 for a junior B, 70 for intermediate and 100 for a senior club. Once you sell that 100, and like Bantry would be selling hundreds and hundreds in excess of that, to be one example, with junior clubs who sell could sell 150, then you're in clear water after you sell your quota and 100%. The money doesn't actually even leave your parish. It doesn't even come in centrally to go back out. It sits there. So it's very much like a franchise model, Kieran. It's a model whereby you pay up front, but then you have a free hand to do what you want with it subsequently. And we feel that over time then, we've been actually criticised by some people for setting the county board cap too low, which we want it to be low. We want it to be a success in a couple of years' time. And everyone laughed at us saying, the club's made a fortune out of it, the county board only made the same amount. So that's ultimately what we want. But I, I do accept in the short term, one or two really genuine clubs now who are fully in support of it, and they say they'll just take them a while to migrate from the club lotto to this, for example. But if you look at club lottos in pubs on Sunday nights, you know, pubs currently closed, we just think it's a good idea. But obviously any good idea in COVID times is difficult because people are fearful. I accept that. And what is the timeline at Rebels Bounty? Is it, is it early 2021? No, Rebels Bounty is, is being launched as we speak, basically. In this week, it'll be launched because we've clubs, we've clubs who actually can't function without, without Rebels Bounty. We've clubs who depend on, on the club's draft for their funds. Um, I know other clubs have other schemes. The timeline will be tickets will be on sale within seven days of today. And the selling period will be uh, December, January and February. So loads of time for sales. The first draw... And it will be a double draw for January and February will take place at the very end of February. So that will give a three-month selling period. And it will take a bit of while to get going. We feel year two will be easier, year three will be easier. So that's why we want the support committee to meet that 20% of clubs to try and get them up and running. Another, and another timeline, Kevin. Rona McCarthy's three-year term as Cork Senior Football Manager came to an end after the defeat of Tipperary in the Munster Senior Football Final. What happens now? Yeah, so so obviously there's a really tight turnaround for, for next year. Yes, Ronan's term is up after after three years. Um, the executive haven't mentioned it yet because I suppose there's internal re- reviews going on first. Ronan is reviewing the players, they're discussing it and so on. We're having chats. So it, it's, it's, it's kind of steady state at the moment, no rush decisions. But I'd expect it all to move in the next week or two for the simple reason that next year is around the corner. And we... For one moment, a few weeks ago, we thought the National Football League would start again at the end of February. The soundings last week is they might flip the season again and leave the clubs go first like they did last year. So, you know, nonetheless, it's urgent. So, um, no decision yet, no hard negotiations yet. 
with lots of discussions, review on how the last year went, how the last three years went and so on. So it is, it is in hand. Like you mentioned there as well, Kevin, I suppose 2021, we don't know what the GA year is going to look like, whether the club season will be first inter-county or, or what's going to happen. But just to get your thoughts on what we saw on in 2020, this defined club window, and we've had countless local GA players on the podcast, Kevin, and every one of them gave a big thumbs up to this defined club window. They loved it, absolutely loved it. The time they spent back with their home clubs, they could reconnect, they got to play with their friends, they enjoyed their football, their hurling, their camogie. Um, what's your own thoughts on having this defined club window going forward? Is it a, a silver lining and a learning that we can take from this pandemic year? Yeah, definitely. And, and my view on it is, clubs in Cork definitely were against the split season previously because the, the argument was we won't see our county player until August or September and we'll hardly recognise him when he comes back. So, you know, if you remember our option A, B and C there a couple of years ago, only last year, remember in the club review, we put an option of one game in April or and two games in August or no game in April and three games in August. And the least popular one we put was... The, having no game in April. I would say there's a serious sea change in that in the meantime. I'd say if you would have voted now, the vote could just be turned the opposite way. But let, let, let's treat people with respect to why would they change their mind? It depends on the split season. If the split season is we'll see the lads back in September, I don't think anyone in Cork would support it. If we see the lads back in the end of July after the All-Ireland final, I think you'll get support for it. So the devil is in the detail. I know the players definitely prefer it. I know the county managers prefer it. It makes my job way easier, way less conflict. But the devil is in the detail. What is the date? And you know our own club championship got very positive reviews as well last year with the group stages, with the relegation and so on. But where was the pinch point in that? The pinch point in that was the number of weeks and the dual clubs getting squeezed. And last year we had to fit a 12-week programme into 11 weekends. That meant then the Aero got to two county finals. We needed 12 weeks. We didn't have them, so we, we got caught. But for the want of a better word, we were delighted with the opportunity we gave. My point in that is this, is split season fine. Car cannot function with less than 14 weekends. Because 14 weekends mean at least, if a crowd get to two county finals, you can slip in a free weekend in the group stages. You can slip another one in in the quarterfinals, semifinals. But actually, you should be looking for 16 weeks because they should get four free weekends dotted through the competition. So, split season, thumbs up. Were we in favour before? No. Are we in favour now? Yes. But that's if the window for the club is big enough. Okay? Um, and I would, I would ask people too, maybe not to judge anything on COVID again this year because like, I'm on the National Fixture Calendar Review Group and we're looking at all of these issues we're looking at those for 2022. People wouldn't want to get mixed up with 2021. 2021 is another crazy year. So where we might be finding out on a week-by-week basis what's happening. The real review of fixtures is happening for 2022. Brilliant, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. Number one for sport in West Cork. On Sunday at half one, the Cork ladies footballers will be looking to book their place in another all Ireland final when they meet Galway at Parnell Park. Ahead of the game, Kieran caught up with Paddy O'Shea, who is a member of Efi Fitzgerald's backroom team. But before we throw to the chat with Paddy Kieran, we just want to touch on the news that the game has actually been moved from the Gaelic grounds to Parnell Park. Uh, this was only announced last night. 
Yeah, it was announced on Monday night that the, the semi-final being Cork and Galway has now been played in Parnell Park at 1.30pm on Sunday afternoon and it was meant to throw in at 1.30pm on Sunday in the Gaelic grounds. And I suppose from a logistical point of view for the for the Cork players and we're thinking about the West Cork players here and especially those from, from out in Bayrek, the likes of Anya Terry, Claire O'Shea, Neil Cotter, um, from Elihis to Parnell Park, Jack, is a five-hour journey one way. Like and that's an a, that's an incredible journey to take, and I'm presuming that the Cork team are going to travel in convoy in cars like they have done to their previous games. So I don't think it's possible for, or I can't see how the Cork team can travel up on the day of the game. If we're talking about a five-hour journey from Elhees up to up 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 to up to Dublin, and then you get up there early, you want to get your food, your warm up, and and so on. It just throws up, I think, a logistical headache for the. For the for the Cork ladies um, football management, would they look now to travel up the night before the Dublin? They possibly have to. Will they travel up halfways on on Saturday and and stay in a in a hotel? It's I think it's it's just disappointing on the day or the week, sorry, of a All Ireland semi final that we see something like this happening. Um, I'm just guessing now, and I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe it's because the Limerick hurlers are true to the All Ireland final that they now want to pitch at the Gaelic grounds again that's just my opinion I could be totally wrong with that but for whatever reason the game has been moved and it just given the year that it is to ask a team to travel from from Cork and especially the players in West Cork up to Parnell Park for a 130 throw-in it's live in T- on, on TG4 as well TG Cahar Kieran TG Cahar or, or TG Cahar sorry it's um it's asking an awful lot Jack I think okay well let's talk then to Paddy O'Shea, who, as I said, is a member of Efi Fitzgerald's backroom team. Delighted to be joined in the podcast by Paddy O'Shea. He's the head coach to the Cork Senior Ladies football team in a huge game for the, for the Cork Ladies this Sunday against Galway in the All-Ireland semi-final. And the news this week, Paddy, is that the game has been changed and it's now being played up in Parnell Park. Um, will you have a venue change like that on the week of a big game? Does, does that throw you out a small bit or are you prepared for changes like that? Um, it's just really in keeping with the way the year has gone. Um, the goalposts have been changing constantly. I mean, every single day I know you're waiting on an email or a phone call or text to say that something has happened so that you have to rearrange your plans. I suppose, logistically, it's going to be a bit of a challenge for us organising times for travelling and when do we eat and when do we eat afterwards. Um, like the game going from Limerick to Dublin is a big change. We have girls driving from West Cork two hours maybe. Uh, we've all been from almost into Waterford, so like it is going to add a bit of stress in terms of that. But we have people behind the scenes, I suppose, who can uh, they, they look after that side of things. Dominic, Michal, um, Michelle, they'll be busy now starting with the logistical side of that stuff. But era at this stage, we just have to roll with the punches, really. And we're now, like we said, a couple of days out from the big game against Galway. And if we're looking at Cork's form over the last couple of games. Uh, that first game against Kerry, I suppose, is just getting the dirty petrol out of the system. You know, hadn't played in so long since the league, and then you really kicked on against Kevin, putting up seven goals. So, what's the what's the big positives you've taken from the two games so far? Uh, the biggest positive is that we're progressing all the time in terms of everything, really, mentally and physically. Going into the Kerry game, it was it was strange, and there was a lot of nerves there because there's no form like in an ordinary season where you you kind of have league form. That wasn't there, obviously, before the Kerry game. We had a few challenge games lined up. We had to cancel those. We wanted to play challenge games. So there was no form really going into the game. Kerry had played a game the week before. So certainly there was nerves on our part going into the game. And that showed in the first half as well. Um, but I think once we got a house in order and those those kind of cobwebs were kicked off, 
Um, from the set, from half time on, we kind of kicked on a bit, and that progressed again into the training sessions between Kerry and Cavan. Uh, mood kept on getting better and better. Uh, confidence, I suppose, grew as well. Uh, right up to the Cavan game, and again, I think I felt we progressed through the Cavan game as well nicely. Um, and even since then, no, it's changed before the Kerry game. No, we have got form, and no, we have a bit of momentum build up, and we're we're just trying to push that momentum forward. No, on Sunday. As a coach, Paddy, that long layoff before the, the game against against Kerry, um, obviously players are coming off their kind of club championship season, so they were playing, they had some bit of form, but how much of a challenge was it for you to kind of, in such a short space of time, get the team up to speed? It was just different, really. Um, I suppose if you look back to the start of the year, we had plans in place of how we wanted to coach the team, um, what road we wanted to go down. Um, we kind of had a planned out systematically through with the, with the dates that we had and the months we had. That all went out the window and like with the short period of time we had to prepare, it was really just back to basics, cover our foundation stuff and, you know, get over the first game, which we did, as I say, throughout those nerves. And since then we have been able to work on kind of specific things. We've had those few few weeks or those two months. So I suppose we've changed the coaching a small bit and it's gone from more of a broad spectrum of preparing the team into we can work on certain set plays and certain scenarios and games. So we, we viewed the time as best we could. And like you mentioned earlier, Cork is starting to find a bit of form now. That, that win against Kerry, a couple of weeks training, that win against Kevin, you've had that block since. And I was even looking at the, at, at the Kevin game, Petty, and Anya Terry, Saoirse Noonan and Orla Finn in the full forward line, I think they combined for 6-6. Six, six. And when you have players of that calibre and talent in the attack, you know it'll give you a chance in any game. Hmm. Well, that's the thing. The talent is there and the talent has always been there. It's just kind of matching or marrying up that talent, that natural talent that's there with an understanding of playing with each, playing with each other as a unit in the forward line as in the back line. And, you know, making the girls realise how good they are, I suppose, the thing, so that they back themselves. So when they're in those positions and in that scenario, they're confident that they can perform, which they have done, to be fair, in the last two games. What needs to go right this Sunday against Galway to get into the All-Ireland final against Dublin? Um, heads need to be right. Going into the game, I think attitude needs to be good. I think if that's the football will look after itself, as I said, the talent is there. The girls who are playing are performing to a really high level because they know they, they must do because there's 15 other girls behind them who are trying to get in there as well and who are doing really good too, to be fair to them. So if the heads are right and if the confidence is there and if the girls kind of back themselves, play with a bit of freedom, I, I think we should be okay. I know it's kind of a cliche sometimes that kind of competition for places. But when you're looking at the Cork Ladies football team, I think you've, what is it, 38 or 40 players on the panel. So I presume even picking the match day panel as opposed to picking the, the, the first 15 is a phenomenally tough job. Like, what's it like to, to coach the top, top football players in the county and then be part of a management team that has to whittle that down to match day squad and then the final 15? Yeah, well, it, it's a privilege, first of all, to. To, to coach 38 players who are, in a sense, the 38 of the best players in the country. I mean, we're, I would say we're in the top four inter-county teams in the, in the country. Um, so, and I've told the girls this, and this is half the challenge is to get them to realise that they are, these are, the, are the best players in the country. Um, to coach 38 top-notch players who on the field and off the, off the field look after themselves and act like inter-county players is a privilege for any coach. Um you know, you can be with the club teams there and you can be chasing players to turn up and you don't know what kind of condition they're going to turn up to you in. That's very frustrating. Those conditions aren't there when you're coaching a top in the county team. 
you know you're going to have full numbers, you know where everybody is if they're, if they're not there, you know they're going to bring 110% effort all the time and they're going to apply themselves very well in sessions. That leads to having the problem then, as you just mentioned, of being able to pick only 30 to travel to the game. So you're picking at 15 first of all, and the last day before the cabin game, it took us twice as long as a management team to pick the 30 that would travel as opposed to the 15 who'd start. Because again, this is very disappointing from my point of view. We played Cavan in a stadium that would hold maybe 20, 30,000 people. We played Kerry in a stadium that would hold 30, 40,000 people. And we had to tell eight girls only that they couldn't travel to the game, even though they're putting in all the effort on the field and off the field to be part of that panel and to push a place in that panel. It's very, very unfair that we can't bring them to the game and having to tell that's the hardest part of this job so far is having to tell those girls that. You can actually see that even going across to the men's game for a second. I see John Coyley, the recording manager, he's made that exact point as well, Paddy, and a couple of more managers are coming out saying the same thing because those players, like you said, those eight players, they're putting in the same graft as the players who are on the match day panel and who are starting. And like, surely that there's some way that they could get to the ground because the ground is empty. And if it's social distancing, is it here to that those players could be brought along because they've given their heart and soul over the last couple of months? Yeah, and that's the least they deserve. Um, I had it myself at Cork in 2009 I, I was at the start of that year I had to go get an operation so I started off as being number two when I came back Conor Coonan told me I was known the number three goalkeeper and I was going to play with the Cork Juniors now I still had to go to these, those games and I was actually doing water on the sideline for a lot of those games Conor made a right decision I was injured I wasn't there for a few months um, Kevin came in and took over so I did feel I never felt kind of fully part of that year for those few months because I wasn't in the dressing room I wasn't talking out so I, I know firsthand how difficult it can be, like you know. Hopefully, something that can be addressed over over the weeks to come. And well, I hope. So I, I saw something today um, about the the finals. No, I don't want to talk about the final because we're, we're not. We haven't given ourselves the right to talk about a final yet. But for whoever is in the final, I saw some good news today on social media that they are allowing full panels to go to the games. I'd be hoping still, even on Monday, that during this week something would change so we could bring our whole panel to the game. Um, on Sunday in Parallel Park now. Fingers crossed. That'd be, that'd be great to see. Paddy, thank you so much for joining us. The very best of luck on Sunday. We're all wishing you the... Thanks a million. We're all cheering you on. So hopefully we'll get a, a Cork team into an All-Ireland final this year. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. Number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And before we wrap up, as always, we're going to take a quick look at what's to come in this week's Southern Star sports section. So, Kieran, what can readers expect? There's a lot going on at the moment, Jack. Even though it's it's early December, we still have a lot of GA being played, and there was heartbreak for the Cork Camogie team. They lost their All Ireland semi final to Kilkenny last Saturday. So, we have two pages of coverage on that. And I was chatting to former Cork goalkeeper Eva Murray, um, a nine time All Ireland winner, eight time All Star, just to get her thoughts on the game and where it went, it went wrong for Cork um, so that's in this Thursday Southern or Star or where it went right for Kilkenny I just give a shout out to my cousin Miriam Walsh who got the winning goal or more or less the winning goal for Kilkenny so yeah sorry to jump in there Kieran. we'll just get that out there so there, were, there was one person smiling in the Southern Star this week when when, when Kilkenny knocked Cork out for them this weekend now it's the focus of the Cork ladies football team like we mentioned earlier they're taking on Galway in the All-Ireland semi-final and Joe McCarthy has had a, has a chat with Cy Valeri of Kinsale She's been an impact sub off the bench. So he's talking to her about what it's like to be waiting for your chance 
when you're sprung from the bench and how important it is to grab that chance then. And I'm also working on a big feature on Melissa Duggan. Um, it's the makings of an all-star, Jack. The, the girl from Belly Boy who's gone all the way from Dunmanway to Croke Park and she's improved every step of the way. So there's some great anecdotes and stories in there. Um, I won't give too much away because it's well worth picking up Thursday's Southern Star for her. But just to touch on one one little story is when Melissa's first night at Cork Senior Football Training, her mother and her sister were driving her up. Um, it was on in the Delaney's pitch up, up in the city and they got lost. Um, they could not find the pitch. But then all of a sudden, their knight in shining armour was Martino O'Brien, the, the, the Cork goalkeeper from Bellinascarty who plays with Clan and Martina was also lost. So together, Martina and Melissa joined forces and they eventually found the pitch. So um, it's just a nice little anecdote. And there's plenty of those too as we chart Melissa's career from from the 14-year-old who joined Donnie's all those years ago to now one of the finest defenders in the in, in the country. Um, we also have a feature on Skibbereen Soccer Club. Joe McCarthy spoke to their chairman just to see how, how things are going there. And there's a fierce, strong underage structure in the club at the moment and they're working hard to get their their adult team back into the into the Premier Division. We also have the Carberry AGM is on Tuesday night. We've content from Kevin O'Donovan's Kevin O'Donovan's interview with us here. We've a tribute to Paul Kerrigan, um, the that, that Cork football legend who retired last Friday after 13 years of service. So as you can see from this alone, Jack, there's a lot in this Thursday Southern Star. So well worth the money. And just to mention as well that there is another special supplement in this week's Southern Star and that's our new Christmas magazine it's called Support West Cork Shop Local this Christmas and it's a free 128 page Christmas magazine for West Cork featuring all the West Cork towns and some of the villages the ultimate guide to Christmas in West Cork recipes quizzes and gift guides info on hundreds of local businesses and much much more so loads in this week's Southern Star and if you can't make it to a shop across West Cork you can also you can always subscribe to the digital edition just go on to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the Southern Star on your computer tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week but let's wrap it up there this week Kieran. you finally turned the lights on I was getting worried for you sitting in a darkened room it must be it must have been a tough week really so far but we'll wrap things up thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Thomas.